See, the thing is, with just about anything that we're writing right now, either we're talking about this paper or materials that, that you're going to be producing in the coming semesters, if you're dealing with analysis, I mean, let's keep in mind what analysis is. You know, it's the synthesis, synthesis of a broad range of materials and consultation of people with expertise who have done, uh, made a lot of the connections and identified core pieces of information and look at a topic with this unique constellation of an, another series of analyses, primary materials like speeches, texts, tweets, and journalism, raw reporting. You put those things together. Why do we do that? Well, we want to build a picture of what's going on around us or what was going on at the time when you're writing um, about and come up with the insights that help us understand what we can expect in the future. In other words, based on all this information, it looks like the situation in the South China Sea, although at face value might be a hot spot, that may be overshadowed by these two other potential hotspots that are actually much more likely to become a major problem. And that means that unless we're stretching our analytical wings um, and learning how to do it, anything that we want to present as current knowledge, we have to deal with the context of the coronavirus pandemic. The impacts are so profound and generation shaping. They touch on so many aspects of institutions and everyday life and our own psyche. I mean, that's the entire scale of analytical frameworks. If we go from the global, you know, in the way different nations and different groups of people are impacted by something, and national or international, and then regional, you know, and we're talking about within communities, and then interpersonal relationships, and then one's own psyche. That's the broad range when you're looking at social phenomena that you can focus on. And with something like the coronavirus pandemic, you kind of have to deal with all of it when establishing a foundational context. And you're going to have to identify specifically what the impacts will be or are being or becoming evident related to the specific topic that you're writing about. Otherwise, your analysis has no durability. If I can pick up your paper and say, yes, but won't, won't a lot of this change uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic? Isn't this actually in flux right now? Um, and what, what that means is, you know, what would be the totality of a paper ends up being the foundational two-thirds of a paper or the foundational half of a paper. And in our case, you could take that foundational material and tighten text to create more space to write about the issues and expand your literature so that you can address it. And that's the weird thing. I mean, it's not a weird thing, but one of the things that we're going to be shifting is our priorities in reference material. The gold standard you know, for academic work has been the peer-reviewed academic journal. It's a research journal article. You know, the people who get those published are experts in their field. Other experts in their field have looked at their paper without them knowing who 
wrote the article. It's a blind peer review and said, no, according to my expertise, these three things need to be addressed. And another expert says, yeah, these two things need to be addressed. And then it's a publishable deal. It goes back to the author. They make changes and further develop their material. It goes back to those same reviewers. And if they give the okay, then it can be published and it's reliable knowledge. To the, it's like, to the best of our knowledge, these are some facts that we should consider and factor in our analysis. The problem is, things that were published a year ago reflect the issues and circumstances right up to the time that, you know, the author quit messing around with the document and got it to the journal. And there may be some lag time between the time it gets to the journal and gets approved and gets put out with access to the public. But anything that includes something like our estimates about the future population growth or the current state of the Italian economy or a broad range of other aspects that are very fluid and rapidly changing right now, the material that we'll be looking for is published within the recent days or weeks or months, and you'll have to pay close attention to the publication date to know where we were, where we are, as this coronavirus pandemic unfolds and as the issues related to racial inequality unfold. Also, the Me Too movement, a lot of material, anything that has to do with gender inequality, sexism in the workplace, sexual assault, the stigma of victims, those things have changed in recent years. The great news is, well, there's two things. First, the journalism that we see right now is outstanding. And so you have quality sources that you can get up to date and the most current information. That's not always top of the list of resources that people who are asking you to write a research paper to draw upon. You know, they're focused on academic work and then primary documents and newspaper articles and blog posts and stuff are way down the list. But what's critical is the author's expertise. And what's critical is the reference material that they cite, the accuracy and currency of the links that they provide as they make their analysis or as they fill in the big picture when they're writing about something that's, that's unfolding right now. And there's so much raw material because of social media, because we can share images and video in real time clear across the world. The immediacy of social issues that used to not feel like they touched us or, or affected our lives is much more powerful when we can see it and when, we, when it's ubiquitous. There's a lot of news going on right now. So good journalism. That's good. The second thing we can be excited about is online journals, academic journals. Um, mainstream journals publish online versions that oftentimes have a lot more articles in them than they would actually print in the journal. They go through the same peer review process, but they can publish a lot more materials. And because they don't have to wait around for you know, copy editing and then getting to the printing press and distributing the journals, even as a PDF, now you can find material that was published with data from two weeks before. With rapid editorial peer review turnaround, you can write a solid academic article 
about what's going on with Confederate statues and be right up to date to things that happened just a few weeks before the publication of the article. And you can find background material about the politics of monuments, memorials, and collective memory and public memory and all of that stuff. That's all background, though, because the landscape is changing now. And so our task as analysts is to look at the information defining and characterizing what's going on right now, synthesizing it, looking at other expertise, and building some sort of interdisciplinary, complex understanding of this moment in time so that you can talk about future directions, what seems to be emerging, patterns that have yet to be fully realized, and material that current will be useful a few months down the road or six months down the road because it was published at that particular moment during the coronavirus pandemic. And that's what we've really got to look for. And you've got to stretch your mind and say, how is this fundamentally different? Is it fundamentally impacted? Will this look different in the post-pandemic world? So any sort of revision that you would work on or your new material, take that into account and bring it as current as you can. And you may need to trade out some of the older knowledge that's not as useful and replace some of the dated peer-reviewed articles with more contemporary material that includes discussions about the coronavirus pandemic. Okay, so enough about that.